do, and really very rarely do it. When I preach, I try to go verse by verse through the book or the chapter, whatever I'm doing. Um, But today I'm just going to take various verses. Take that one over there, that one over. Just interesting verses to be aware of and to think about and and, um, verses that will give us blessing. So, let me see. I didn't write anything down, but I have it in here, I hope. (laughs) I might lose it. But the first one is found in First, um, First Corinthians chapter 15. So if you want to turn there, you can. I'll turn to it. I have it memorized, but I'll turn anyway just to <clears throat> do it. First Corinthians chapter 15. And there's a very famous verse here in First Corinthians 15. Does anybody know offhand what you think it might be? Now, First Corinthians 15, that is the uh, resurrection chapter. So it's about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, you talk about something that's powerful. Think about that. The resurrection of Christ. Dead. Crucified. Buried. And resurrects. And he's seen of many witnesses. Man, oh man. Anyway, uh, as I was studying this years ago, actually, but it's the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 which says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. How many of you have that memorized? Okay, just as I thought. <laughs> we don't memorize, I don't either, but I got into this kick maybe about 10 years ago about starting to memorize Scripture and to memorize large portions of it, not just a word, but memorize a chapter. And I think, you know, I can't do this. But I thought, well, I'm going to try it. Why can't I do it? And so I started working on... James. So James goes, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that the trial of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work in you, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Only let him ask in faith with nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with and wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and on and on. And the point, why do I say that? You know what? Because if, if we took an IQ test here today, I am quite sure I'd be, I'd be the last guy to do it with the IQ. But the point is, if I can memorize verses like that, how much more easier it would be for you to do it. And I want to encourage you, memorize not just of our John 3.16, which is a great thing to do. John, you know, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, who so believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's good. Learn the chapter. Memorize a chapter. chapter verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. And it may take you a year to go through a chapter. But it, once you get that in your heart, it's wonderful. So for me, as I, I just recited James 1, I got that in my heart. <laughs> That's not going to disappear. And, and actually, at one point, I had the book of James memorized, but I, I, I can't memorize the whole today. You know, you've got to go over it every day <laughs> to have it at, at your lips. Uh, but, but you can do it. And I'm saying, if I can do it, how much more? Those young guys back there, they could do it like that. Memorize it. Get a chapter of God's Word and memorize it. Get a chapter that means something to you and commit it to memory. Just put it on a 3 by 5 card, put it in your pocket, and you know, when, when you have a couple of minutes, get it out. You know, go over it, put it back in your, or you can put it on your computer or whatever, whatever is available, and memorize. Well, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's about memorizing, hiding God's word in your heart. It's a powerful weapon, and can be so helpful. All right. So having said that, let's get back here. I wasn't going to talk about that, so I did anyway. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now there's about four or five things here that I, that I see. Now if you're going to speak on this, you'll probably talk about something else because we're all different. We all have different background, different understanding. We're a different level of growth. So, here, so anyway, in my condition, here's, here's what I come up with. First of all, the word steadfast. Now, what does steadfast, what does that, what do you see in the word steadfast? I see the word steadfast, so if I were to hit the podium here, it doesn't move, you know, because it's steadfast. And that's what we're to be, steadfast in our relationship with the Lord. Yeah, question, yes. Endurance, yeah. Yeah. He, yes. So put, and look at these terms, endure, steadfast, unmovable. So this is what we're to be. You know, so when the challenges of the world come upon us, the weakness of the flesh, the devil, be like this, unmovable. Be steadfast, unmovable. So it really reinforces itself. Not only be steadfast, but unmovable. Now, what I think about is this. <clears throat> As you know, you probably know my background. My life is basically two things. Athletics and the Bible. <laughs> it's not what I'm about. So... If I were to give you an illustration, like to be steadfast, I can give you many of my own uh, career in athletics. So one of my jobs was to do, was to, I had the, the glamorous job of blocking on punts. Now, who wants that job? That's a, that's a suicide job. Of course, I always get those jobs. So, okay, so it's fourth down, and uh, there's going to be a punt. So I stand <clears throat> and be about... Um, <clears throat> Three yards, <clears throat> excuse me, three yards in front of the punter. So I'm back there in case somebody breaks through the line to block the punt. I pick him up. I block him, right? And when you know, so I'm back here. Of course, I'm praying, Lord, don't let anybody get through here because I don't want to hit anybody. <laughs> so I'm there. And of course, here comes this big linebacker charging. He got through the line. He's charged. And I thought, oh, this guy, I'm thinking, this guy's going to kill me. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <clears throat> but the thing is, if you know how to, if you know how to do the, if you know how to time it and exactly where to hit a person, you can you can stop a, guy, a person many pounds heavier than you are. Only problem is if you make a mistake, you're going to take the blow and you will get. <laughs> many a day I've lost, I've ended a game without my memory, and then I'm, I'm paying for that now. By the way, uh, you know you you lose your memory, and then but then but when you the next day once you wake up after sleeping all night, you get up, you're okay. But during the rest of the day, during that day, uh, it can be a little dicey. But anyway, so why am I saying this here? Be steadfast, unmovable. So I'm supposed to be steadfast, unmovable, so that when the guy comes to block the punt, I'm here. And I'm not going to move, and I make the block. But this is what we are to be in the Lord, steadfast. Now, what would you do if you come here to, to Sunday school next Sunday, and you get here, and it's 10 o'clock, nobody's here. All right, see you, waiter. Why is everybody late? Okay, I'll wait around. Uh, 10.15 comes, nobody's here. 10.30, nobody here. What's going on? 11 o'clock comes for church, nobody's here, but somebody, the janitor comes by, and, and, and where is everybody? Well, didn't you hear? What? And that everybody's given up their faith in the Lord. Why? Well, because they had some scientific discovery and they found some, I don't know, some artifacts. It disproves the Bible. So nobody's going to go to church. So what would you do? 
Would you, oh, I guess so. I guess I'll take my Bible and I'll go home. And I'll, or are you going to be steadfast and unmovable? And that's what this is talking about, to be steadfast and unmovable. That's what the, that's what the disciples were. That's what the apostles were. They were steadfast and unmovable to a point some of them got hung. <laughs> but that's what we're to be, not to be moved. So when the world changes its mind, we don't change ours. When the world threatens us, we stand strong. And if we suffer, so be it. And now none of us have really suffered as the world suffers. Um, have I, ever, I asked my, have I ever suffered for, for, for Christ? You know, I suffered for, um, I would say I suffered maybe t- for 12 hours. I was put in jail for 12 hours. Uh, and so you don't really suffer, you just sit there. But of course the bigger problem is the mental anguish. <laughs> Am I ever going to get out of this place? But that's all the suffering I really ever had, other than you know, people ridicule you, mock you, and all that kind of thing. But you know, that's, that's no problem, uh, because that's an American, a wonderful America. We can hand out tracts, and we can, you can get in the, in the corner out here and start to preach. And probably nobody could stop you. Maybe if somebody calls up and makes a complaint, I guess they could do that. That's what happened to me, and that's why they put me in jail. But I got out. You know, that, you know. um, be steadfast. But the point is that we are to be steadfast. And you know, our country needs steadfastness in the Christian community. Because we're going down the hill quick, <laughs> I think. And we need to have the church, the Christians, to stand strong, to be counted worthy and stand strong. Strong for the gospel, strong for living a godly life, and, and uh, supporting our church, supporting missions, and the things that are involved in the Christian work. Be strong in it. Don't let the world, the flesh of the devil, discourage you. Yes. Yeah, you got to have a commitment, absolutely. And that commitment is the Lord gives you that. You know, we pray, the Lord, give me commitment, give me strength that I can stand for the things of the Lord and not be moved, not be moved with what other people say, don't be intimidated, but stand strong for Jesus Christ. So, anyway, that's what I see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast and unmovable, And now look at the next phrase, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, how can that be? How can we always, I mean, we're we're involved in the work of the Lord right now, but it's not always. We're going to go home, one or two o'clock, you're having lunch, you're you're engaged in something else. Always always be engaged in the work of the Lord. How, How can you do this? Yes. Yeah, you can do it right. And that's a beautiful thing. To, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, you're reminding me of something that I do. That, and not every night, but a lot of times in the evening, I take a walk around around the block. Maybe it's a mile, mile, mile and a half. But when I do that, I'm praying as I as I walk. But when I pray, I, I sort of talk. I talk. 
and I'm thinking, these neighbors watch me, my mouth is moving. And I say, all right, Lord, uh, please watch the children today, help me. And so I'm praying, but I'm actually talking quietly. But, you can, but my mouth is moving, and I'm probably some of those neighbors that think, here comes this crazy guy, look, he talks to himself, he's walking up the street. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, but, but the point is prayer. That keeps us in touch with the Lord. Can keep you in touch with the Lord 24-7. Be men and women of prayer. And that's why we have here, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, it's good to carry a track up, comes tracks, because you can get in conversation, hand a track out, that's being involved in the work of the Lord. Memorizing scripture, prayer, uh, helping a poor person. And there's many things you can do, which will always, and really this verse has to do with your, your um, desire, your motive, of what you're doing. You're doing things for the glory of God. You can work on a car. Maybe you're a good mechanic and you're doing it for the glory of God that that car will work right, be efficient, and, and you have... you do The things you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. And um, that's what I believe that's what that means there. No matter what you're doing, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God, right? Okay, well, let's go on here. Therefore, and this would be good, I, I would give you an assignment. Now, if I was going to be here next week which I'm not, but if I was, I'd say, okay, you all have an assignment, and that assignment is to memorize 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So when you come in here next week, I want to hear it. I want to hear you say it. So, but anyway, but, and you know, it is always good to be memorizing Scripture, whether it's just a verse, or you take a chapter, or whatever. Always be putting God's Word in your heart. Because think of all the trash we put in our heart every day. The nonsense you put on, on the computer, on the, the television, in the movie theater and all. Think of all the baloney they put in front, putting it nicely. They put in front of you every day. So get that out of your head and get God's word in your head. So therefore, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and then get this left for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Think about that. Think of all the work you did, and you did it in vain. You thought you're going to do this and make some money, and boy, you're going to do it, and you didn't make the money. It didn't work out. You know, you worked in vain. Or you're building this project, and this is really going to go good. Maybe we can sell it, or blah, 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 and it doesn't pan out. Think of the many things we have done. Uh, Again, I go back. (laughs) Oh, boy. I go back to my sporting situation, you know, and... and, um, you know, you work, work for my job be to work on um, block, you know, block, you know, blocking these tackles and all that. But many a day, I practiced all day on a certain, there's different kinds of blocks you can do. And um, different approaches to people in their, their position and their size and all that. So you practice that all week long. And then it comes game time. Okay, I'm going to get this. My job is to hit the defensive end over here. Okay, hike. So I go and I'm, oh, I'm going to hit this guy, you know. And boom, he hits me and knocks me down. <laughs> Oh, I did all that in vain. Uh, but be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know. Your labor, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. My labor trying to do a certain block was in vain. I tried to do it, didn't work, and okay, that was in vain. But what you do for the Lord is not in vain. You pass out a track, you show some love to somebody in the name of the Lord. These things are not in vain. And won't it be wonderful when we're in heaven... And you, me, I don't know how this is going to be, but you meet someone or you learn of someone who trusted in the Lord because of you, because of your witness. And they see you in heaven. They say, thank you for giving me the word of God. And that's why I'm here. I'm in heaven. Think about that. I don't know how that would work out. But it must be something like this. 
So think of the number of people that may be in heaven because of your witness. And, and there should be. That should be the, a question over here. Yes, sir. Rewards in heaven, yes. Yeah. There are rewards and there's benefits. And I love the verses in Corinthians where even in the house of a maybe if it's if it's a house where only the wife is a Christian, yeah. she prays for that family. Yeah. Those blessings were poured out to her family because of her faithfulness. Yeah. And they're benefiting off the bar and capital of her hard work. Yeah. That's incredible. It's incredible, yeah. The benefits that you get, the reward you get from just living the Christian life and sharing Christ with others. And that's, a, that's an exciting thing. You witness to someone, and they come to the Lord. Oh, and Mark, well, that is something like, whoo, you can't beat that. And um, so my, my uh, roommate in college at the University of Kentucky, was, um, he was from Canada. And he was sort of a weirdo, actually, quite honestly. And, uh, but he was not saved. Now, when I went to college, I was saved. I knew the Lord, and I was just starting to learn how to witness and things like this. I thought, aha, what a good way to learn how to share Christ. I'm going to share it with my roommate here, Al. And so, um, and I thought, how am I going to do this? I don't even know what to say or how to do it. But I, you know, I, I think what I said, I, we were alone, I think it was a Saturday afternoon or something. Both of us were there in the dormitory room. I said, Al, have you ever thought about becoming a Christian? I, had, I, didn't, I didn't know what to say. That's, that's what I did. But I, I remember what his response was. His response was, he, he, now he's big, maybe six foot three, and fingers on, he gets his fist like this and slams it against the desk. Boom, he said, never talk to me about that again. I thought, uh-oh, I struck a, a chord here. <laughs> I said, okay, uh, sorry I didn't bother you there. But I began to pray for Al, and we had a group of Christians on our team. We would meet early in the morning and pray together. And so I said, look, let's start praying for Al, that he'll come to the Lord, because... You know, I shared Christ with him. He responded. He was hostile. Let's start to pray for him. So we did. We had maybe three or four guys on our team that were committed Christians. We'd get up like 6 o'clock in the morning, gather in a little room and pray for our teammates and things. And so I say, uh, so maybe two or three weeks went by, and um, we had what we called a, a, a group called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's a national movement. And we had this group in our, in our, we started this on our team, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So we would meet once a month, and we would have a speaker, have a time of prayer, a time to grow in the Lord. And I would always invite Al, I want you, you want to come to, we call it FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Al, you want to come to the FCA meeting tonight? Come on, why don't you come with me? No, I don't want any of that. Okay, so we would, but when we're together, we'd pray for Al. So one night, Al, it's time to go. I'm going to go down to the FCA meeting. Why don't you come with me? And he says, okay. What? He said, all right. Wow. Okay, come on. This is going to be great. So, you know, he came. And for the, he started coming. And in time, Al got saved. I always cry when I talk about this. So if I start crying, just forget it. But, but, cause, and the reason I do, because he was a hard, nasty person, really. And he melted down and became the 
you know, gentleman and a wonderful person. And he went on to play professional football in Canada. And, um, and so then what we, we started to do is that he and I would go to the different sororities and fraternities and local churches. People would ask us to go there and give a testimony so we could show up. And so here's Al, who used to take the Lord. I would think, they didn't know it, but I would think he used to take the Lord's name in vain and all this. Now he's out uh, speaking for Christ. It, it, it was a beautiful thing. And um, so that's what can happen. If we share Christ and great things happen, he changes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So you, you, you all started the SBA? Yeah, we, well, we started at that campus, yeah. But uh, not the national organization. Oh, yeah. It's in all teams. It's in professional teams, college teams, probably high school teams. It, yeah, oh, yeah, it's big. Yeah, it's nationwide, national-wide. And um, so I, I didn't start it. I, was, I started at UK, University of Kentucky, but I, I didn't start it nationally. So um, as far as I know, it's still going on, and, and young men are still coming to the Lord. So that's, that's a great thing. That's an exciting thing to see happen. All right, so why am I saying this? Be, therefore, be steadfast, right? Unmovable. And you know the devil wants to move you. Don't you know that? You are a witness for Jesus Christ. You know the world, the flesh, and the devil are going to do all they can to move you, to discourage you, to make you compromise here. Don't be enthusiastic here. Pull back over here. Don't hand that track out. Uh, don't participate in that church program. You know, all these things you have to deal with all the time. But the Bible says be steadfast and unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor, it's labor, serving the Lord is labor, as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There are things you can do in this world, and you do it in vain. I can't think I've said that. But you know, whatever you do for the Lord is not in vain. Whether you pass out a track, pray for someone, bring somebody to church, take them home, and help people through the community in the name of the Lord. Many, 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 many things we can do for the Lord. Have a little bit of creativity and figure out, how can I reach that guy? You may have a neighbor that you're concerned about. So, you know, just pray for him steadfastly for three months. <laughs> and then ask the Lord to open up a door you can actually approach him and, you know, share Christ with him. And um, I know, and, and you, you know the Lord answers these prayers in spite of our own lack of uh, faith. Again, I tell you about the situation with Al. I really never expected him to come to Christ, but look what he did. And, and by the way, again, back to Al real quick. We stayed together. All these, we're still in contact with each other. Al lives in Florida and has, uh, what's he has? He has um, two daughters and a son, and they're all highly successful people. In fact, I just, Sue, his wife. Now, that's, I could add Sue in this story, but... Uh, I make it too long, but anyway, Sue was a, a a girl there at UK campus who Al met. Sue was a Christian girl, strong Christian girl. She meets Al. Al just comes to Christ, and she, I think Sue came to our campus crusade meetings, and so Sue and Al meet together. You know, they date and they get married, and um, you know, they serve the Lord together. And they, as I say, they have uh, three children, and you know, we're still in contact together. I try to say this without crying, but at, at uh, Vicky's funeral, Sue came to it. She heard that you know Vicky had passed, and she came. 
Maybe some of you may have talked to her. We had a good reunion together. But all those years, we still stick together. And, you know, and our children know each other, and they, inter- they, they contact each other and do things. All that started out when I met Al and shared Christ with him as a college student. That still has fruit taking place to this day. And it's an amazing thing to watch. So why am I saying that? Be steadfast. And here's the thing. Be steadfast. We can't be you know, hot one day and cold the next. Now, where's that Bible verse? What does what, what what John write? Because, right, not to be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. What is it? Revelation 3, 16, I think? Revelation somewhere. But think about that. Because you're lukewarm. Now, how would you, how would you assess yourself, number one? Number two, how would you assess the church? Are you, number one, hot for the Lord? Cold? And I know what you're probably going to... Most people say, well, I'm not cold. Okay. Are you hot? No. Well, then you're lukewarm, right? As an individual, assess yourself. Um... And then you want to make that assessment as a church. As a church, are we hot for the Lord? Are we making a, a movement in this community? Are we cold? We're certainly not cold. We're open up every Sunday and got this lovely auditorium here. You're not cold, but are you hot? And that and what does the Lord say? Because you're not what? Because you're not because you're lukewarm. I will spew you out of my mouth. That's an, that's, a, that's an indictment on me <laughs> and probably most Christians, really, because we tend to be lukewarm. And you really have to fight that because we live in America. You know, we're free. We can do what we want to do. And I can pass out a track if I want to and nothing's going to happen. And I can come to church when I want to. If I don't want to, I don't have to. And that, you know, that's all lukewarmness. And the Bible speaks about that. And because you're lukewarm, is that where that is, by the way? I'd like to look at that. I don't know if that's where it is. Revelation 3, is it 320 is maybe? Is that what it is? What is it? Yeah, let's look in Revelation for a minute. Revelation 3. Boy, I haven't used this. Where's the verse I'm looking for? Not the sec. What's the verse? Oh. Revelation 316, am I looking at? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there, thank you so much. Actually, you can go back to verse 15. Revelation 3.15, I know your works. Right there, think about that. The Lord knows your works. He knows our works. He also knows our lack of works, right? I know your works. That you are neither cold nor hot. You know, this probably, that would describe me, actually. I can't talk for you. I'm not, I'm not cold, and I wouldn't, rec- I wouldn't say I'm hot either. <laughs> this is speaking to me. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were hot or cold. Be one of the two. Don't be in the middle. But verse 16, So then, because you are lukewarm, oh man, there's the killer. You're lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, this is scary, I will spew you out of my mouth. That's some heavy language there. And I don't know. It's, I, actually, I need to think about myself at this point, not preach to you. I have to think about myself. Because I could be interpreted being lukewarm. I could see my neighbors look at me and think, he's, he goes to church once in a while, he's lukewarm, big deal. 
Maybe even people in the church would look at me as being lukewarm. We've got a, we've got a pastor who's lukewarm. <laughs> Who knows? It's, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. That may be what we want to do here today. Maybe that's the lesson the Lord has for us today, to assess ourselves and asking ourselves, are we lukewarm? And if you are, let's do something about it. The, the, the best thing you have to do, first of all, is to know it. <laughs> you can be lukewarm and not know it. It's not revealed to you, so you just walk around lukewarm. I don't know what, I don't know why you know, I'm not really winning souls to Christ. I don't know why our church isn't growing like I'd like. I don't know why uh, I don't have a good relationship with my wife like I should or with my I don't know why. Well, the reason is because you're lukewarm. I'm lukewarm. I mean, that could be. I mean, there are many, but this may be something that we may be aware of here. And, of course, the Lord says, because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. So we don't want that lukewarmness. So maybe, what time is it? Am I going overboard? What? What? Anybody? What is it? 10.35. Oh, i got plenty of time yet. Okay, good. Um, so assess yourself. That's one of the things you want. In fact, let's do that now. Let's have a prayer right now, and then we'll move on to something else. Now, Lord, we want to just come before you as a church and as individuals. What am I going to do if I'm doing Sunday school? I wasn't sure if I was going to do Sunday school, but I thought, well, if I do, I better have something ready. So, okay, there was that one there. Okay, and the other one was, uh, that, that is there, that's, that is, um, yeah, First Corinthians 15. Okay, that, okay, so the other one are some of the more basic verses, but they're very powerful. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Why don't we talk to that? Ephesians chapter 2, who has that memorized? Raise your hand. Who has it memorized? you have it raised, memorized? Hmm? Say it to us. Can you say it to us? Oh, that's good. Very good. That's excellent. Yeah. You got the idea. Very good. That's really good. You can just call that out cold and she knows it. Very good. But you know what the truth is? You all ought to know it because it's a basic verse and, it had, and the principles are basic. This needs to be committed to memory. So I'm not going to be here next week, but if I was, I'd start out by saying, okay, let me hear you say Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace, undeserved mercy, for by grace... And by the way, the word grace, i just doing some work on that in the Greek. In the, I'm not much of a Greek scholar, but I, I dabble at it once in a while. Grace. Sarks is the word. It's the word sarks, and it means like um, undeserved mercy. For by grace are you saved. Saved where? From hell to heaven. Right? We come into this world, we're headed for hell. You realize that, right? For by grace are you saved. For by grace are you through faith. And not of yourselves, it's not of your works. It's a gift of God. What's a gift of God? Faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. The word pistos is faith. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. You don't save yourself. It is a gift of God. What's that it referring to? Faith. It's a gift of God. If you have saving faith in Jesus, it's a gift of God that he gave to you. The faith that you have to get saved is not the same faith that I have that I have faith my car is going to start when it's time to go home. That's a kind of faith, but that's not what the Bible is talking about when it has faith in Jesus Christ. This word faith, pistos, is a faith which uh, has, it has a drive to it, it has a conviction to it, it has a commitment to it. It's a life-changing experience. For by grace are you saved through faith, 
And it's not of yourselves. You can't sum up this faith. For by grace you see faith, and not of yourself. It's a gift. Isn't this beautiful? It's a gift of God. And if God doesn't give you that gift, you don't, you're not going to have it. And I'm sure you've seen people have come to church for a while, they're here for a short while, but you know, they just don't get it. That's the best way to put it. They just don't get it, they're not comfortable, they're, and, they're, and they're gone. And sometimes, I can't say it every time, but sometimes that's because somebody who comes in a Christian community, but the Lord's never given them saving faith. When they're trying to muster this up and understand it, and they don't, and it's confusing, and after a while, they, they, they're bewildered, and they just walk away, they don't come back. Saving faith, for you to be excited about the Lord and do great things, that's something the Lord gives you. That's a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. My salvation is not works. My faith, oh, if, I just, if I just believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, it's not of works. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Otherwise, you can boast, right? If saving faith or my work in the Lord uh, was of me, I could boast. I could put my chest out. Hey, look what I did. I, I can't boast on anything. The only thing I earned is hell and damnation, and I'm avoiding that by what, what the Lord Jesus did for me. Of course, that's true for you too as well, for all of his people. He rescued us. Isn't that amazing too? You know, we get into, if you want to get into this, um, when, it's, when it's like 10 of them, so somebody raise your hand when it's time to stop. Let me know, otherwise I'll keep on going, which I enjoy doing. But All right, so by grace you save through faith, not of yourself. The gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that's another second verse I'd like to give to you if I was going to speak like I am. <laughs> I give you that. What would be, what's the third one? A good ver- of all the Bibles now, you know, there's one. Th- how many chapters are in the Bible? Uh, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, 788,280 words, 3,556,480 letters in the King James language. So, which one of those do you want to talk about today? Um, of course, we could talk about the best-known verse, John 3.16, right? For God so loved... But you know, it's probably the best-known and little understood. God so loved the world. What's the world, by the way? As you look at in a verse, it's the word cosmos. And that word cosmos actually has several meanings. It can mean the globe, the ground. For God so loved the globe. For God so loved the world. The word world also means people. You know, the people that are on... It doesn't really mean the ground. It means the people that are on the globe. For God so loved the cosmos. God so loved the world <clears throat> that he gave his only begotten son. We know, obviously, we know it's Jesus. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What about that word perish? That's scary. What's that? You know, we never really get into that. Of course, we know from other portions of God's word, pers- that's talking about hell. And that's an awful thing to talk about. You know, do you ever hear anybody talk about hell? They don't do it much. It's terrible. In hell, forever, and ever, and there's no hope. You know, you'd think if there's some way, okay, if I go to hell, okay, but maybe I can get out in 10,000 years of, if I have enough prayers and all that. That's what the Catholics teach. <clears throat> but you know, the Bible tells us that once you go to hell, you're there. <laughs> that's, that's the end of the story. I really can't fathom really what that is, but I know it's not good. For I bear grace, you save the faith, not a gift of God, not a works, as any man should boast. And so, you know, that's something that the Lord gives you as well. So, in many other verses, John 3 16, God so loved the world, gave them, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have revelation. So, why do you believe and the other guy doesn't believe? 
Trying to answer that in the, in the Bible. Go through the Bible, and why do I believe, but the guy next door doesn't believe? Why is that? Ask the question, why do I believe? And then try to get that answer from the Bible. And you will find out, if you get that answer from the Bible, why you believe, it's because obviously you were elected by God to salvation before the foundation of the world. If you really want to get down to the very bottom line of it. Now, you had people witness to you and share the Christ with you. Yes. And you came to Christ because he gave you pistos. He gave you saving faith to trust in Christ. That's why you're here today. If he didn't give it to you, you wouldn't be here. You'd be doing, I, I wouldn't either. We'd be doing something else. So that's another verse I'd like to share with you. That's John 3, 16, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. How about one more? Have we got time? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let's go over to the, New, to the Old Testament. Proverbs, now who, all right, now, question, raise your hand. Who can recite Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Excellent. That's the way it should be. But here's the other thing. When I ask that question, honestly, all your hands should go up. Because <laughs> that's a basic, it's a basic verse. Most everybody knows it. At least once you read it, you're familiar with it. But wouldn't that be beautiful if somebody... Okay, who can recite this? And everybody's hand goes up. That's a good sign. But actually, really, it's good just one person knows it. And looking at the state of condition of Christianity, this guy's walking. Is it time to start? What time do we have here? It's time. Yeah, okay. Time to start. Nobody warned me. I asked them to tell me. They wouldn't tell me. So I'm, I'm going on. Okay, so why don't we then conclude in prayer, and we'll get ready then for the worship service. Let's do that together. Our Father, we now want to say thank you that you have saved us. Thank you that you keep us saved. Oh, Lord, what security we have. Not only did you save us, but we know that you will keep us saved. And we look forward to being in heaven with you forever. But right now we're in the midst of a battle. And we need all the help we can get. Lord, forgive us of our sins right now. Lord, if there's anyone here in our Sunday school class right now who is soft on sin in their life. Maybe they're overcome with a sin or so in their life, thought, word, or deed, whatever. In the quietness of this moment, my Christian brother or sister, will you not confess that to God right now? You don't have to tell us, but tell him. Yes, Lord, I have messed up in my mental thinking, in my activity, blah, blah, blah. Mention it. Identify it. Right now, privately to the Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Repent of it. Chase it out of your life. And walk out of here healed of that problem. Father, thank you for bringing us together. God, guide us now as we prepare to worship you. Guide us to be able to do this. We ask through Christ our Lord. Amen.